there's, there's, a, there's a sound of life in the camp. That's awesome. Let's jump right in. Lord, we just thank you so much for your life. Thank you, Lord, that we're joined to you and you to us. Thank you that you've moved us beyond the copies of the heavenly things and you've brought us the heavenly things themselves. Thank you, Lord, that we look not on that which is seen, but that which is unseen. For that which is seen is temporary, but that which is unseen is eternal. Lord, thank you that you've given us eyes to see your main ministry. Number one ministry was to open the eyes of the blind that we might see God as he really is, that we might see your work, that we might understand grace, that we might be where you are and you where we are. Thank you, Lord, that you've opened our eyes to see this awesome work of God in that you have brought heaven to us. For the kingdom of heaven does not come like men think, It shall be within them by the gift of the Holy Spirit. And in that place called heaven, there I fellowship with my people. They with me and I with them. We have fellowship one with another in a new reality, a new place, a parallel universe called the kingdom of heaven. Now among men. For your kingdom has come and your will has been done on earth as it is in heaven in this one called Christ Jesus. For you, Lord, have become our peace. You are our righteousness. You are our life. We now sit with you in heavenly places and you walk the earth with us inside of us. Thank you, Lord, for this reality. Thank you, Lord, for this awesome work. Not of man, not of religion. God's handiwork. Lord, I pray now by the power of your Holy Spirit that we'll be able to hear heavenly things. May the Spirit of God in us teach us We need no man teach us, but the anointing which abides within us shall lead us into all truth, and we shall abide in you. We rely on you, Lord, to teach us. Thank you for the freedom of the blue sky of heaven. Thank you for the liberty in Christ. Thank you for the open door. Thank you for the open heaven. Thank you we can call you Abba. Papa. Nothing can separate us from your love ever again. Amen. Saints, we've been talking about this awesome letter to the Hebrews. Awesome, awesome letter, which the writer is moving the 
the Jewish people, Jewish believers, although he's referring to Jewish unbelievers also and warning them, don't, don't let this, this good news pass you up. Don't hold on to Moses as your hope because he's not your hope. But he's mainly talking to believers and trying to move the Jewish believers from their focus on the scene and on the copies of the heavenly things as opposed to the heavenly things themselves. For instance, the tabernacle being a copy of the real tabernacle, the real dwelling place of God. The priestly robes with colors and sacrifices of lambs and goats, copies of the real, the heavenly realities of Christ himself. So moving the, the reader from this, the pictures of these things to the reality is what the Holy Spirit wants to do in us. As that verse says, as long as the tabernacle stood, as long as the sacrifices were still being offered, the Holy Spirit thus signifying that the way into the Holy of Holies was not yet manifested. So when Jesus came and at his death on the tree, when the veil of the temple was cut in two by the hand of God from top to bottom, God was saying that it no longer stands. I no longer recognize the sacrifices of bulls and goats. I take no pleasure in the sacrifices of bulls and goats, he told David. He now re- releases us from this way of thinking, of, of looking at the outward to seeing a new reality on the inside. Men saw a man dying on a tree in Jerusalem almost over 2,000 years ago. But God saw the judgment of the entire world. The judgment of the entire world. When Jesus went to the cross, he said, now is the judgment of this world. Now is the prince of this world cast out. God saw the judgment of the whole world as he saw his beloved son take upon himself the sins of the world. He saw his beloved son suffer and die for all of us. He saw the judgment of the world. Now, what I want to share with this, some thoughts this morning about is Hebrews, is the letter of Hebrews speaks about the conscience more than any other letter in the New Testament. And the reason why I think the, the letter to the Hebrews speaks a lot about the conscience is because we struggle, I think, believers struggle with wanting to do something about our sin so we can feel better in the conscience. We struggle with wanting to do something. It may be just to go to church. I feel better now. I went to church. It may be to confess my sins. If I just confess them, if I name them all, if I don't forget any of them, name them, I'll feel better. Um, to the Jew, it may be his desire to go back to the sacrifices in the temple to do something. I've got to bring a lamb. I've got to walk there. I've got to do something. I've got to go see a priest. I've got to do something to take care of this guilt, this conscience, this, this guilty conscience. So the writer to the Hebrews addresses this problem that the Jews had to work on. They had to move from this this, uh, pattern of getting rid of a guilty conscience by doing something to a place of simply believing someone and not doing anything to add to what he's already done. In fact, Hebrews talks about entering into a rest to his Jewish brothers, a rest in that you believe what God has done, and then when you believe, really believe what God has done, you cease from your own works as God did cease from His, and you enter into the true Sabbath, 
which is Christ himself. The Sabbath is not a day anymore. The, day, the Sabbath day was but a picture of the rest we have in Christ. Paul says, Look, let no man judge you with regarding to a holy day or a feast day or a, whether you keep this, the Passover or not. Or of the Sabbath. For the substance is Christ and those are mere shadows. It's like having a photograph of your best friend on the refrigerator and you love your best friend. You can't wait to see your best friend. You keep his picture on the refrigerator or her picture on the refrigerator and you know, you're know you just like, oh, I can't wait to see my best friend. And then they come visit you one day and they're like at your door and you go, oh, okay, well, come on in. And then you just keep looking at the picture. And the best friend is here. He's right here. He wants to talk to you. He wants to play chess with you. He wants to have hamburgers with you. He wants to go fishing with you, whatever. And you just keep looking at the, the picture and See, that's what it's like. And God is saying, those were just pictures and shadows. We, in our natural mind, default to the visible. We default to the pictures. We default to things we can do. That's why the scripture says the Jews stumbled over the stumbling stone, which is Christ. They sought to establish their own righteousness by what they could do. And they stumbled over the stumbling stone, which is Christ, which was a gift of righteousness. They sought righteousness, the Jew, but they sought it by the law, by obedience to commandments. They were trying to be righteous by obeying God's commandments. And they stumbled over this gift of righteousness. But the Gentile, who wasn't looking for righteousness, the wild Gentile out there, found righteousness because they heard this awesome good news and they believed it. Isn't that awesome? Yeah. It's like a, it's amazing how, how the, uh, it's, just, it's the wisdom of God. Okay, how he did this. Okay, let's, I want to share some thoughts about the conscience. But first, the natural man, if you would, let's look at uh, Romans 2. It's a great verse on, um, we're going to go back to Hebrews, but just on Romans 2. Romans 2, Paul speaks just briefly about the conscience. Look at Romans 2, please, in verse 14. Uh, Let's start with 14. Now, in this passage, he's laying, the, he's laying the foundation to show how everybody is guilty, whether it's the Jew who has the law or the Gentile who doesn't, didn't have the law. We're all guilty. We're all sinners. And we all need God's Savior. So, here he's talking about how the Gentiles can't boast against the Jew and say, hey, we're okay because you guys have the law and you blew it. He turns to the Gentiles and goes, oh no, you had a law too. It was a natural law that was put in you from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You too knew right from wrong and you blew it too. So there's no excuse for Jew or Gentile is the point he's trying to make. Let's look at this real quick in Romans chapter 2, verse 14. For when the the Gentiles who do not have the law, they don't have the law like the Jews had the law, by nature do the things in the law, these although, although not having the law are a law to themselves. Who show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness between themselves, their thoughts either excusing them, I'm I'm sorry, either accusing them or excusing them. Okay, so when Paul writes here the law written in their hearts, he's not talking about the law, the covenant law. Or the, the new covenant where Paul says, where God says, I write my law in your minds and in your hearts. He's not talking about that impartation of, 
of uh, the divine nature, because he's here he's referring clearly to the, the fallen human race. So he writes that, that in every human being there is law already in us from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, the knowledge of right and wrong that we all got from Adam and Eve. It's all part of our, na- our nature. The natural man has this inside himself already. The knowledge of good and evil, right and wrong, is in us. A little child will cry and say, he took my toy. That's not fair. Well, where to get that sense of fairness? Where to get that sense of justice? I mean, that's pretty cool. A little child can say, that's not right. That's not fair. A little child could hide when his parents say, don't, have, don't eat any gum. And they know, I'm not supposed to have gum. And they hide to eat the gum. Why do they hide to eat the gum? Because they know they're not supposed to have the gum. Where do they get this? They get that from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil that went into Adam and and Eve and went into all of us. So Paul is making the point here to the Gentiles that you can't boast that you're okay because you didn't have the law. You have the law too. You have that within us. We all have that within us, the right and wrong. The juicy was simply given the law to magnify what was already in the human race. See, the law was just to magnify to the Jew what was already there. That's why when they got the Ten Commandments, thou shalt not kill, they didn't say anything like, they didn't say, well, that's strange. They said, of course. When they got the commandment, thou shalt not steal, they said, we know, we shouldn't do that. Well, how did they get that? It's from the tree, see? So the Jew, God basically magnified sin through the law. The law was never given to keep people from sinning. In fact, it was supposed to increase the transgression, Paul said. The law is actually the strength of sin. Paul taught that God's, God's awesome wisdom was to bring down on these Jewish people this awesome high standard so that they would see how holy God is. But in the, at the same time, he included within this covenant a, a system of, of a, t- a temple, a priesthood, and sacrifices to cover their sin so that he could dwell among them behind that thick veil. So all as shadows of the good thing to come, preparing them for the idea that we could never be good enough and another must take our place. A lamb must take our place. See, all preparing them for this truth that was coming. So going back to the conscience here, this is what in the natural man, the conscience, as Paul just said in that verse, the conscience will either accuse you or Defend you. What's the word that Paul uses here? Excuse. Yeah, either excuse or accuse. The natural man, all of us had this in our conscience. We had a conscience. Everybody has, has a conscience from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. See, before the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, there was this innocence. They were running around naked in the woods and didn't think anything of it. That's why God said, who told you you were naked? The conscience arose from this knowledge of good and evil when they began to focus on themselves. It made them self-conscious. It made them aware of sin. And it caused them to be blinded toward God and who he was. In fact, they started being afraid of him when God hadn't changed at all. They, they used to be their best friend. They used to walk in the, in the forest together. But what, what changed? See, the enemy knew that he could get... It. Well, that's a big story, but that's a whole other message. But All right, back to the conscience. The conscience in the natural, in the natural mind, will accuse you or excuse you by your deeds. Remember this, saints, the conscience cannot tell you who you are. It only responds to what you do. The conscience can only respond to what you do. It can never tell you who you are. 
So what God did was he actually did an awesome work that cleansed the conscience. Hebrews says, we're going to read that verse in a minute, that we have a cleansed conscience. Peter said, we now have a good conscience. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 21, we now have a good conscience by the resurrection of Christ. Not because of something we did, but because of the resurrection of Christ, we have a good conscience. Well, what's, a good, what's a good conscience? Hebrews says, our, our conscience has been sprinkled clean from an evil conscience by the blood of Christ. So what is an evil conscience? What is a good conscience? And how do you get cleansed, a cleansed conscience? What is that talking about? It's not what you think. It's not talking about just sin. It's not even just talking about condemnation or guilt. Because Hebrews says, we're going to read the verse in a second. Hebrews says that the blood of Christ cleanses, this is so important, cleanses the conscience from dead works. Those can be good works or bad works. That's, you, know what, you know what the work of Christ did? Saints, this, this thing about the conscience is huge. It will prevent you from experiencing in the earth now this other realm. It will prevent you from experiencing the power of the presence now within. The conscience must be cleansed. And all of this, saints, is about the renewal of the mind. It's just the mind being renewed to think differently. You don't need anything more. You don't, you're not lacking in anything. We are not lacking in anything. You are, you are in him and he is in you and he is all in all. Nothing can be added to what he has done and nothing can be given to you anymore. All we need to do is see more and have the mind renewed to the reality because as we see, as we see and we experience this, this renewal of the mind and this new way of thinking after the mind of Christ, then experience follows. The realm is within you. There's nothing between you and God. Saints, listen to this. God is not waiting for your physical body to die to give you the kingdom. God is not waiting for your physical heart to stop pumping to finally give you all that Jesus died for. I'm telling you, saints, you get a hold of this, you will be like a crazy person. They said, Paul, Paul, you're acting like you're a crazy man. You know, he was in front of the Romans with his chains and, and he was so excited about this awesome thing. I am, I, I am, Christ is my life. He's, a, he's my righteousness. He's inside of me. You can have this too. I'm forgiven. You know, all these things he was talking about. And, and the Roman emperor was like, Paul, seems like much learning has made you mad. And Paul, and Paul, and Paul goes, Oh, I'm not mad, oh, Fest- oh, noble Festus. I'm not mad. I wish you were just like me, except for these chains. I wish you were just like me. That's what Paul did. He goes, I wish you were just like me, except for these chains. You know, of course, but I tell you, I tell you, the half has not been told. The half has not been told. The half has not been told. We are dull of hearing. The book of Hebrews wants us to see this reality, this, this awesome Christ, this awesome King, that our King has done it. It's not, see, everybody puts everything in the sweet by and by. When there's so much in the now, in the here and now, now. In the here and now. You know, it's, uh, theologians love to talk about this tension between the now and the not yet. Well, they have way too much in the not yet column. There is a not yet. The body is yet to be redeemed. The body is yet to be turned into immortal. But that's about it. 
and we're going to have, and we're going to walk by sight and not by faith. You know, we actually see him face to face, which is pretty awesome. But that's about it. I mean, that's really about it. I mean, you are, you're not going to be any more holy, any more righteous when your body dies. You're not going to be absent from the body, present with the Lord immediately. He's not going to finish you up real fast. He's not working on your heart to get all the sin out of your heart. He did that when he raised you from the dead. A new creation. Behold, all things have become new. The new heart is here. The prophet said it would come when God would wash us with clean water and pure water and raise us up and give us a new heart and a new spirit. It's happened. It's happened. He has relegated the power of sin to this mortal body. He has separated you from your inner man to the outer man. He has circumcised your body and moved all your, your reality from the inside, left, leaving the power of sin in the members of this flesh. You have been separated from your sin as far as the east is from the west. You have actually moved into another dimension. You've been translated from the kingdom of this son into the kingdom of the beloved son. That's why you have confidence now to go boldly to the throne of grace, not timidly, because you are as he is in this world. That's the good news. He did it. Our king did it. He did not fail. And he wants us to herald it. And tell the world, he did not fail. He did it. Jesus said, when I return to earth, will I find faith on the earth? Will I find someone who believed I did it? He's not waiting for your physical body to die before you can experience the treasures of heaven. We have this treasure in weak earthen vessels that the excellency of the power is clearly seen to be of God and not of ourselves. He wants us to experience him now. And that's what Hebrews is all about. But the conscience in the, in the natural man, the conscience, will respond to what we do with either accusing or excusing us. So what's a cleansed conscience? A conscience. What, what is a cleansed conscience from dead works? A cleansed conscience from dead works means, in essence, it's being delivered from self Righteousness. You see, when when the mind when you're established in the gift of righteousness, we still have a we still have a conscience as a believer. You don't lose your conscience, but now, if you're established in the gift of righteousness, the conscience will no longer accuse you. Or excuse you. Because in the natural, you're either condemned or prideful. As the conscience excuses you, you're prideful. I did good. As the conscience accuses you, you're depressed. I did bad. When you're established in the righteousness of God, you don't pat yourself on the back when you do good deeds. Because it's all Him. And you don't condemn yourself when you do bad deeds because he has taken that away and doesn't count that against you. You're learning how to walk by him. You have a cleansed conscience. You have a good conscience by the resurrection of Christ. Therefore, when we live in this body, the conscience no longer accuses or excuses. It just simply tells us what you did. You know, yeah, that's not, that's not like Christ. That is like Christ. That's not, you know, that, because we have by the Spirit a revelation of him now. The Spirit reveals, us, reveals to us who He is, what He's like. We, don't, we no longer live by a standard. Paul says in Romans 7 that he, he, was, he tried to serve 
the law of God in his mind. And he found another law working in his members, the power of sin, which was greater than, the, than the, him trying to serve the law of God in his mind. Notice he, Romans 2 says it was, this is the work of the law written in men, the conscience. So if you try to live your life and be a good person by your conscience, sorry, Jiminy Cricket, <laughs> let your conscience be your guide. It's not the way to go. But if you try to live that way, then you will be condemned when you do bad and excuse me, do good. So either be pride or, or condemnation. But what God did was that he moved through his work. He moved that whole issue off the table so that now if we're established in the righteousness of Christ, the spirit now reveals to us who he is. We're no longer, like Paul said, he was doing serving the law of God with his mind. But now he says, I serve my God in my spirit. I serve God in my spirit. No longer do we serve God in the letter of the law, Paul says, but in the newness of the spirit. So what does that mean? It means I have a good, I don't have an evil conscience anymore. An evil conscience is a conscience that that still accuses you when you do bad. And pat you on the back when you do good. That's an evil conscience. Even when you're doing good. Did you see that? That's self-righteousness. An evil conscience is when you pat yourself on the back when you do good and condemn yourself when you do bad. That's, a, that's an evil conscience. A good conscience is one, who does, is, is one who still recognizes right and wrong. As Hebrew says, by the use of their senses, they're able to discern what is really good, what is really evil. And we also know those things because we know him and what he's like and what he's not like. But the, but the, uh, but the, the cleansed conscience has no sense of accusation nor sense, no, or no sense of praise towards you when you do good. You've been moved to this other reality where he himself has become your righteousness, even though you still can discern what is good and what is evil, but there's no bite to it. There's no, there's no praise to you for it. There's, you're totally removed from it. It's called a cleansed conscience. Does that make sense? Yes. Let's look at it. I want, to, I want you to read the words of the, of the apostle. It's so cool. Look at Hebrews. If you would, please. Hebrews chapter, chapter 9. Look at, look at Hebrews chapter 9, please. Look at the, uh, let's start at verse 11. But Christ came, this is Hebrews chapter 9, verse 11. But Christ came as a high priest of the good things to come, with the greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands. That is, not of this creation. Very important. Not of this creation. You are not of this creation anymore. You once were from below. Of this creation, Jesus said. But now you are from above. Your mother now is not what you think. Your mother is New Jerusalem above. In other words, your hometown used to be a place on this earth. Your hometown used to be a place on this earth where you were born. That's no longer your hometown. Your mother 
where you're from is New Jerusalem. You are the population of New Jerusalem. You are the holy nation. You are the royal priesthood. You are New Jerusalem. You're from above. This is what the Holy Spirit wants us to see. The scripture says the Holy Spirit was sent to show us all the things that belong to him. And now to you, Jesus said, because you're in me. It's such a farce that we've been sold a bill of goods in religion. That, we're suppo- that the Holy Spirit's convicting us of sin. And the Holy Spirit is convicting us of sin so we can name our sins on a daily basis and stay forgiven. That's such a farce. That's bogus. That's not true. There's not a single verse in the entire New Testament that says the Holy Spirit convicts you of sin. Not a single verse. Not a single verse. The Holy Spirit does not convict you of sin. He convicts you of righteousness, the Scripture says. He convicts the world of sin, Jesus said, because they believe not on me. We are so blind to what God has done. No wonder we can't. Our lives are in a mess. No wonder there's no power in the church. No wonder we're not contagious to the world out there. No wonder they're not attracted, like in the early church, they were attracted to these people as they gathered. The love, the power, the glory, the awesomeness, sense of awe in their presence. Because there was not a sin consciousness about it. It was a Christ consciousness. For the worshipers, having once been cleansed, Hebrews says, should have no more consciousness of sin. He took away the sin of the world. But we don't believe it. See? It's awesome. We become so Christ conscious, we become contagious. People say, my God, what's happened to you? I don't know. I just know. I, I just feel like God's with me because he is with me. He's in me. I'm with him. I, it's, it's fantastic. It's unbelievable. It's like, it's almost, in, it's incredible. That's why Paul says, who, this is God's unspeakable gift. Paul went, Paul wrote off the page, you know, trying to write about it. This is not religion. This is not, let's, let's study 10 things about the names of God. Let's have a Bible study on the names of God. Let's do a, I don't know, I just, some Bible study on, let's study, you know, I don't know. You know what I'm talking about. It's lame. It's lame. It is lame compared to what we have. Compared to what's in here, it's, that's lame. And no wonder the children and the youth say, study the names of God, I'm going over here. They have a form of godliness, but they deny the power thereof. Outwardly, it looks all holy and religious. But they deny the power because they're afraid. They're afraid to say that he has taken away the sin of the world. Paul was not afraid to be bold. That's why he said be bold with this. We hear, we read those things where Paul says be bold and we think it means, bless God, I'm going to pray over my food in Denny's. I don't care what people think. I'm a Christian. I'm going to pray over my food. I'm going to pray over my pancakes in Denny's. I don't care what they think. Paul says we're supposed to be bold. That's lame. That's not what he's saying. Just eat the pancakes. He's talking about this another reality. Be bold. Don't, don't be timid to say that I am as righteous as God Himself is righteous as a gift from God. I have the righteousness of God in Christ. Heaven is my home. I'm from there. I was born there. I'm going back there like the wind. They don't know. They don't know you. They don't know where the wind comes from, know where it's going, but that's you. Amen. It's awesome. Oh, gosh.
Where were we? Oh, here it is. I'm sorry. Uh, chapter 9, verse 11. But Christ came as a high priest of the good things to come with the greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is of this creation, not of this creation, not with blood of bulls and goats and calves, with, but with his own blood he entered the most holy place once for all. This is heaven itself, saints, having obtained eternal redemption. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling the unclean, if that sanctified the purring of the flesh... Under the natural, for the natural man, under the old covenant, how much more shall the blood of Christ Himself, through the eternal Spirit, offered Himself without spot to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? Yes. You see how He says it? Cleanse our conscience from dead works to serve the living God. We serve God out of our spirit, the spirit of life now. We live in a, in a union with Him. We serve in union. We don't, we don't do dead works, whether they're righteous deeds to, to make Him happy, or we don't do evil deeds, deeds that are dead works and be accused for them because we're no longer in that realm anymore. We have someone else. We live by another's righteousness and another's life. And yes, we all stumble in many ways, James says, and we will stumble and fall at times as we're learning how to live by him. And that's exactly why he made a covenant where he said, I'll remember your sins no more. I'll keep a record of your sins no more. There is no record of our sins anywhere. He nailed it to the cross. For God was in Christ, reconciling the whole world unto himself, not counting our sins against us anymore. And where religion is scared to pronounce that truth, God says, to those who believe on me, I will show them my secret. I will show them my secret. And what is that secret, Lord? If you will really believe that he's not counting your sins against you anymore, and therefore you have a cleansed conscience, because what you do now, you will not be accused for, are praised for. If you will believe him, he will show you his secret. You know what his secret is? I, myself, am inside of you. You are inside of me. He said to Peter, Peter, in that day you shall know that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. And now, Peter, I am in you, and you are in me forever. To live is Christ. That's the secret of God. For your life is now hidden. With Christ in sight of God. He's done it. For those who have eyes to see and ears to hear. Abraham, I am your your shield and your exceeding great reward. God is. God. You have God. God's in you. Emmanuel, with us.
Lo, it's true. I am with you always, even until the end of the world. That's why our brothers and sisters could take bullets. That's why they could be tortured. That's why they could be led into the arenas with the lions. Christ was with them. He was with them and they were with him. There was no sin consciousness. There was no sense of condemnation or pride in their good deeds. They were lost in him. Lost in him. He was the all in all. He had answered every question. He had solved every problem. He had caused the death of the entire human race on a tree and raised it again by his own resurrection. It's awesome. A new creation. Something only God could do. For God, Paul says, raises the dead and calls into being that which did not exist before. This is the true gospel. This is the wisdom of God and the power of God. And it makes you smile. It makes you want to sing. It makes you want to just go crazy. The true gospel is a great light. Oh, I love that verse where it says, They who sat by the Sea of Galilee in the land of Naphtali have seen a great light. Great light walked by that sea. Naphtali. I love the word Naphtali. I was talking to Barbara about Naphtali. Naphtali is one of Jacob's sons and his name means a deer. A deer set free. That's you. You're a deer, a beautiful deer in the forest set free. All the riches that are in him. Don't let religion turn you back to yourself, to the seen. Let the Spirit take us to the unseen and enjoy what is, what is now. Thank you, Lord, that we have a good conscience now. We have a cleansed conscience from dead works. No longer do we condemn ourselves when we sin, nor do we praise ourselves when we do good. For we have been healed of a, an evil conscience. Self-righteousness has been destroyed. And a new righteousness has come. God's righteousness. For he who has received this abundant grace and the gift of this righteousness shall reign in life by one Christ Jesus. The glad news of the kingdom of heaven will be spread throughout the whole world as a witness and then shall the end come. The glad news of this other reality of heaven's reality brought to us by the Son of God will be spread as a witness throughout the whole world And then shall the end come, and that which is invisible shall become visible, and they shall behold him in all his glory with the host of angels coming with great glory 
great power, crystal clear, crystal clear, bright, blue, beautiful, 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 beautiful. Jesus. Jesus. Lord, may everyone here lay their head on your chest as John did. Whatever the trouble, whatever the worry, may everyone here lay their head on your chest and hear your heartbeat. Thank you, Lord. Fear not. Fear not, little flock. It is my Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Rest. Rest your head. Fear not. Love each other. Love one another. Love one another.